So watch a toddler as he or she is exploring the world. They trip, they fall, they get ouchies, but they just get straight back up and, and carry on their way, don't they? This is a place where those who suspect they're innately wise, brilliant and powerful come to learn how to transform their lives. One cognition, one realisation and one blinding flash of the obvious at a time. We are the innovators, the record breakers, the world makers and creators of all kinds. We supersede the suppressive worldview of mass ignorance and awaken the strength within. We are waking up to our innate secrets. My name is Dr. Mark Postles and welcome to the Innate Secrets Podcast. I was watching my 14-month-old toddler grandson the other day and he was negotiating the back lawn. Now, he was, he, the week before, he had um, got a bee sting on the back lawn and uh, he was run, running free on the grass and then this bee obviously got stood on and it... Um, decided to do what bees do best when they're under in a state of danger and he stung them. So, yeah, it was sore and he screamed. Well, he screamed for a, about a minute. Uh, he picked himself back up and, and after his mum pulled the sting out, then he just resumed his exploration of the territory. I mean, it was like uh, it happened and he got it handled and then he carried on. And, you know, there may be a few t- tears, but children don't hold on to things uh, to the same degree as, as maybe adults do. They, they don't make meaning of something. They don't see that the bee was out to get them, that it was, uh, um, there was an angry bee or, you know, that he was stupid or that he was clumsy or whatever. Um, soon all's forgotten. You know, it's, it's like a thing that happens at the moment and then they plow headlong into what they were doing and what they were exploring at the time. So this learning experience then was taken on by young Harvey and I saw him the other day as he was on the same lawn exploring with the same fervour as last week and he had an eye out for these little sting bees so he learned learned something from it but he still scampered around the lawn as skillfully as as could be avoiding these many bees actually that were that were uh, inhabiting the lawn because of the wildflowers on it and the daisies and so forth. So, yeah, it's really fascinating that he he took, it wasn't that he, he was oblivious to the learning, he took the learning, but he didn't bring a huge amount of meaning to it in my observation. However, adults, on the other hand, very often have a tendency to let the situation determine who they are. And I'm sure I've, I've experienced myself telling myself this, and, and I'm sure you can recognise certain um, aspects of this that, that you've made meaning of yourself uh, or of your position or your abilities based on something that's happened in the past or based maybe something that was you were told in the past and you know like I'm a klutz or I'm no good or you know there's no sense in doing this I'm a poor writer or a poor communicator or a poor public speaker and and it's often the cry you know I'm, I'm shy I have I have poor retention or poor expression. I'm not a good runner or a jumper or a skipper or a sailor or a skier or whatever the case may be. So we, we often utter these mantras and not only uh, externally, and you know, I've heard myself say it externally, but I've heard myself say it a lot more internally. And so we create and then we confirm our reality. And I think this is a, the critical factor here that, that, 
if we create a reality around that we're poor at something, and then we confirm it by regularly um, reciting an internal dialogue that, that confirms that situation, uh, we are setting up the field of probabilities for that to be confirmed by reality. And so this self-deprecatory approach leads us to spending time, money and effort, and sometimes a lifetime, sitting on the couches of psychologists or facilitators or um, doctors or you know, swallowing buckets of pills or mind-altering drugs. And in, in an attempt to try and understand our, our dilemma and figure out, well, why has this happened to me? Have you ever heard yourself ask why? You know, why this? Why that? Well, you know, why's, I would suggest, are lies. You know, that every single why is a reason. Every single why is manufactured to explain something. But it's not complete. You know, it's, it's, and in that sense, it's a lie. It's not only that. You know, why am I afraid of red cars? Well, because a red car ran into me when I was 10 years old. I mean, that's not necessarily why. The fact is, is that we are. And there can be multiple factors in certain, as far as the why. So to go for the why is, is a very useless uh, exercise and a frustrating exercise because there's always another why. And that's the nature of science. You know, science is trying to discover why things are so. And science is always making further distinctions on that. You know, the, the, the book is never closed on scientific endeavor because it, it keeps asking why and then why and then why and then why and it goes deeper and deeper and deeper. So, you know, it's not a useful phenomena at that level when it comes to a personal behavior. Uh, a common adult response would be to put a logical story to the event and one that usually results in, in making themselves a victim. And, and, you know, it's not usually what happens to you that, that has the biggest impact in your life. It's what you do with the stuff that happens to you that makes a big difference and, and determines not only how you're affected by it, but, but what happens long into the future as a result of it. And this is the story we take on board. This is the story we tell ourselves. And it's a manufactured story. You know, sure, partially there is truth there and the story we put around it is what keeps it intact. You know, we, we, we relate to stories in our, in our life as how uh, information has been passed down from generation to generation through stories. And we create labels around the stories that we have about ourselves. And just like we have the labels around a, any given fictitious story, and in fact, even non nonfiction stories too. So the the question on this then is, well, if we're making a story, how empowering or disempowering are we making that story? So what we're talking about here is is the frame that we put around something. You know, something has, is, and then we put a frame around it. It's like a uh, with a picture. You know, you'll you'll have a given image, and then you'll go and you'll select out a different. A, a variety of frames, and the frames change the image. They change the uh, the the perspective of the image and the the impact of the image. And and you know you look at the frame of the wall that's been put on if it was uh, to be hanging a picture on a wall, and you you make a frame according to the uh, environment and also to the image itself. So frames change things, and 
in other words, it's 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 the meaning that you bring to the situation. The meaning is the is the context, and the situation is the content, is the thing. And so, I find a useful frame to put around the stuff that appears out of my uh, around me and to me is that it's out of my control, and that it was because it's in the past was predetermined. You know, it had to be. It was perfect, uh, and it occurred. It's happened and it's over and so that's the you know from that position then it's like well whatever has been in the past has was meant to be you know that that was fine that was okay i i accept it and that frees one up to go forward and decide on the future as being being something that we can have determination over you see so if if something was predetermined in the past then the future I can define. And, you know, if an event or situations happen and, and, and that's all there is to it, it's, it gives us an opportunity then to um, toughen up and say, okay, like, like little Harvey did on, on the lawn there with a bee sting hanging out of him and hurting like hell. He, he, he toughened up and he got it removed. He got the, the thing handled. He got over it. And then we have a choice to redecide as to, as to where we go from here. And it doesn't have to be um, as a victim. So it's useful then to suspend the judgment of yourself, be kind and forgiving and loving to yourself and others' actions. You know, it's it's not just about your own um, self-deprecatory behaviours. It's it's about um, others who, in loving ways. Uh, and caring ways can limit you and they give you limiting behaviors or limit, limiting thoughts, which then create limiting behaviors. And and parents are really good at this. You know, parents from their own insecurities then tend to put insecurities onto children and the children encode that. That becomes a neurological response that then becomes uh, a behavior. And as we know within the innate model, that becomes a, a quadrant preference. So we have all parts, we have all behaviours inside, and it's simply what's going to be more useful for the circumstance. And often we make bad choices around the circumstance and we apply behaviours that aren't particularly useful. And then we keep doing them, and that's really not useful. So just because something happens doesn't you know, by itself mean anything. The, the meaning is what we bring to the situation. So be aware of that. Be aware of the meaning that you're bringing to all situations. You know, as, as you're driving and someone cuts you off, you know, what do you, what meaning are you bringing to that? You know, does that person in your mind get out of bed in the, in the morning and say, okay, I'm going to go and cut this person off in traffic? Probably not. And, you know, it's not a very useful meaning to bring to it. So maybe, you know, the, the, the concept that meaning is made up as a meaning we bring to something. So the meaning is the, the, the why and, you know, it's our story. And we can change it. So rather than trying to find out why and work through and, and to solve and to resolve and to handle stuff when when it happens, why don't I ask the question like, well, how have I created or how have I done this? You know, what behaviors have I used to create this particular phenomena? What behaviors have I employed to make this occur? What once you once you have ownership and responsibility for the fact that you and I made these particular behaviors, then we can look at it and um, do what it takes to minimize the stuff into the future.
because we have now have ownership of it. So this week, notice the frames that you've put around the stuff in your life over the past year and look at where you've created limitations that don't allow you to get the most out of the moment, the most out of your life. You know, And, and when it comes to um, this transition of, of years, and particularly a big one like you know, going from um, 2019 to 2020, it's another decade coming up, and there are certain things that we look back, as we talked about in, that, in the last podcast, um, that aren't particularly useful. And the question is, are we going to keep doing those going forward? And the meaning we've brought to things is often the, 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 the key, you know, it's, it's where we can bring about change. It's that point of redeciding. And that's what's so significant about the end of one year and the beginning of the next, and, and particularly, say, going into new new decade. So how are we going to be um, creating this new decade? Are we going to be using the last decades and the multiple decades before that, depending on our age, the rest of our life that's preceded us, um, are we going to use those behaviours uh, to guide us through this new um 10 years and beyond. So the innate model contends that we generate all of our behaviours. And if that's the case, then we can generate new and different behaviours. And of course, new and different behaviours get different results than what we've been getting. So in the first weeks of January in 2020, we're going to be giving a five-day online challenge to you to design your decade and you'll learn how to fast track your future without all the negative habits and patterns and beliefs and and lies, uh, the meanings you've made um, from the past. So I invite you to, to join this five-day challenge and, and get the keys to really making a difference in your life. It's simple, it's easy, and it's so profound. Now, if you're in Australia, uh, watch out for the coming Innate Model Missing Link seminars also. And they're going to be near you in January. There's going to be one on the West Coast, one on the East Coast. And if you're ready to, to easily let go of the beliefs and the judgments that have been holding you back, then the Missing Link is for you. So look, go to theinnatemodel.com and check out the Events tab. Yeah, here's, this is a, um, a really powerful way in which you can, in a very short period of time, 12 hours, um, over the course of a weekend, uh, identify those things that have been um, drawing you back and not allowing you to go to the next level. It's a reboot for your brain. It's it's just clearing out toxic thoughts and limiting beliefs, and it's it's a it's a real winner. So if you have the opportunity, if you're in Australia uh, or New Zealand, make your way to the missing link in January and tune in for the. Um, the challenge, that's the Design Your Decade Challenge, uh, first couple of weeks in January, and get off on the right foot there. So, you know, wherever you are in the world, you can get connected with the NEU, with this amazing innate model, and the online challenge and the attending, uh, the Missing Link uh, workshop. So I'd love to see you there in one form or another. And uh, until that point in time, and until next week, uh, I'm Mark Postles, and uh, thank you so much for joining me in the Innate Secrets podcast. And make sure that you like it, make sure you comment, make sure you give us feedback, and uh, we're really happy to 
address any topics you uh, suggest there. So until next time, be brilliant.